Oh, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Swingman Podcast number 105. As ever, I'm your host, John Ledger. Joined as I am all the time by Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. NBA Finals time. We finally got there. After the playoffs, been a great set of playoffs, I think. I think you'd all agree in terms of the NBA as well. Great set of playoffs. We've got our finals matchup. Uh, and we're just going to break down everything that we have since the last time we chatted to you uh, at, at 104. Are you, uh, are you two doing well? Are you good? Yeah, not bad. It's been, it's been quite a while since we've done the last podcast. So it's quite a bit to get through. Has indeed, has indeed. Um, we'll move straight on. We'll, uh, we'll go, we'll talk about the Celtics. They got mm-hmm. past the Miami Heat. Uh, great series, I'd say. Um, I think, I mean, I personally would like to have seen the Miami Heat reach in the finals, primarily just because um, the Jimmy Butler vibe and everything from there. Mm-hmm. I understand. I don't think that anybody would have put this as the the prettiest matchup in basketball. Oh, no, not by, and, not by uh, a mile. Yeah, and, and we definitely got that in the games that were given. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it was uh, sort of, would you have had the Celtics to go through and, and how would you assess them going into the NBA Finals? Um, I said after the Nets, it was either after the Nets game or the Bucks game, but especially the Bucks game after that that whatever team was winning that was going to go to the finals and, you know, the Celtics go go through, beat the Bucks, and then they beat the Heat. So I, I did think the Celtics would beat them. And I'm, I'm also, I know you said you wanted the Heat, but I'm actually happy the Celtics went through because I think they're the, the, the matchup for them is better against the Warriors the, than the Heat. I think the Warriors, if, if the Heat would have gone through, I would 100% pick the Warriors to beat them. I think they would have dealt with them pretty handily, but... How the Celtics play defense and their length, I think, could cause the Warriors quite a few problems. But I mean, looking at the Heat series, as you said, it, it wasn't the greatest series in the world to watch. There were some standout performances, especially that Jimmy Butler performance. I know, as soon as after that game, he got mentioned along the lines of you know some of LeBron's best performances and Dwayne Wade's best performances, and it 100% deserved to be up there. It was a virtuoso, but. Yeah, there are there were those moments, but there was the opposite side where it got really ugly, and I think that got encapsulated by the final few minutes of the last game when the Celtics almost did the biggest throw it would have been, I think, in a game in NBA history, where with I think it was three and a half minutes left, they were up thirteen, and for some reason, Marcus Smart just decided that he was Michael Jordan and that he was going to take every single shot with plenty of time left on the clock left and just kept clanking. And it let, it let the Heat get straight back into the game. And it led to, you know, the discussion that was on Twitter about Jimmy Butler's last shot, whether he should have settled for the three or tried to attack the basket. Personally, I don't think there was anything wrong with it. And it was a, a fine shot to take. But ultimately, the Celtics should have won that game much easier than they did. And it encapsulated you know, the highs and lows of that series, but also maybe some of the potential problems that the Celtics will face versus the Warriors. And that may make you decide who, you, who you'll pick in the finals. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned those last couple minutes of the of the game seven, and I agree. I can imagine if you were an actual Boston Celtics fan, I was kind of rooting for them in this series because I don't really like watching the Miami Heat. That's kind of my thing. Um, but I could imagine if you were a proper Boston fan, it would just feel like the blood pressure would be raising higher mm, and higher as it 100%. got. It was just so frustrating. I mean, you well, mentioned Marcus Smart, but yeah, yeah, just I'm, throwing that away. Especially after Game Six, I think everyone would yeah. have assumed Game Six at the Garden they had got this done. So mm-hmm. it was a bit of a shock for everyone for Miami to push it to a Game Seven anyway. But yeah. um, 
Uh, yeah, so some some definite Celtics fans would have had their blood pressure blood pressure raised in the final few moments of that game. So mm-hmm. I think as well they were to me anyway looking from the outside just a far superior team, um, and that's all credit to Miami that they stretched it to, to seven games. But it felt like um, you know Miami's defense was good, but the Celtics' defense is better. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see it in the same way on the offensive side as well, because it felt like to me, unless Jimmy Butler was putting up a, as you rightly call the virtuoso performance, an absolute masterclass, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like the Heat would get anywhere close to winning really, because their offense just wasn't good enough. Um, yeah, and that became especially evident when Tyler Hero didn't play in the last couple of games. And I think the story for the Heat in the first couple of series is. To get, you know, some good offensive players on there, you know, we're talking Tyler Hero, Max Struess to a certain extent. They needed to sacrifice a little bit of their defense, but mm-hmm. they just needed some form of offense to kind of get, yeah. get past it here. And they just couldn't get any in games. Well, no, they, they won game three, but games four and five, it was mm. just quite pitiful, if I'm quite honest. I mean, yeah. Carl Harry, he had some cardio performances in this mm-hmm. game, which... Um, Let's just say he probably needed. No offense to the guy. Yeah. He was out injured a little bit, so that probably played into things mm. a little bit. Um, but he he had a way he has a way of like coming back, like clawing himself away from like the jaws of death. Where he'll just hit you with a free and you're like, oh, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Um and he'll just play terribly for like the rest of the series. And I don't think he was fit. I do quite like Kyle Lowry when he's there. But I think the Heat's backcourt, if I'm right, went for games four and five, anyway, went one of thirty-seven from three-point range. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not that's not ideal. What, games four and five, it was one and thirty-seven, so. something like that. It was it was a bad surely. No, I know they I know offensively they weren't great over the I th- series. I think there was, that is tragically bad. I think there was one game where they missed not just the back court, obviously the Heat in general. I think they missed eighteen threes in a game. Yeah. And when when you're missing that many threes, you know, you you're probably not going to win. And I think. That's been one of the big stories with the NBA in this playoffs as well is we've seen a lot of blowouts. And I think a massive reason of that is teams are living and dying by the three-point line. So when when things get out yeah. of hand uh, and one team's really getting hot and the other team, you know, just, just can't get anything going, the, the nature of uh, the three-pointer is what's stretching these leads out to an enormous extent. Yeah, so I don't have the stats for game four, but Kyle Lowry and Max Struess went 0-15 from the field in game five. Um, Struess missed his last 16 field goal attempts. That was games four and five. Um, And he had a really good, I think it was game three. Um, Mm. That was the Bam Adebayo game is what I'm remembering more from that. Bam had a good game in game seven as well. what I think I learned from this series and kind of what I knew before is that, and what John and B tweeted as well when he was watching one of those games, I can't remember which one, he was like, the Heat need another superstar, someone who can really shoulder another offensive load alongside Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler because, you know, Jimmy put in some really good performances in this playoffs and all credit to him, but there were yeah. times where you could just tell he was running out of gas a little bit. He's mm-hmm. a, He's an older guy. And they kind of temper him a little bit in the regular season so he can go off in these players. But when you're coming up against a youthful Celtics team, it might have been a bit too much for him because I know he was great in in some of these games, but those games I'm talking about, games four and five, he was really, really not. 
Um, yeah. So there's that to it. And I think, you know, their name has been floated about with Donovan Mitchell. You know, mm-hmm. if you could, you know, package Tyler Hero and they've got some, some good contracts to kind of match up the money there, I would do that in a heartbeat. And there's, I have some problems with Donovan Mitchell, but I think he would really suit what this Miami Heat team needs and maybe it would elevate them to another level. I've seen, I haven't seen that much on Donovan Mitchell. The one I keep seeing is Bradley Beal, is the one that pops up for me with the Miami mm-hmm. Heat. Um, and the way of which they underutilize, well, perhaps underutilize is the wrong phrasing of it, but it, they just didn't fancy Duncan Robinson in the early games in this series. In general, mm-hmm. in the playoffs, I don't really feel like they got a vibe of him this year. Um, and for the amount they're paying someone like that, if they're not going to use him when it matters, it's sort of then you question him, what are they using him for? And he's a great, like, he's an elite shooter when he needs to be. I think that that's the the form of what he's had has been what's put into question. But yeah, uh, he, he's there, there's definitely a role for him on a lot of NBA rosters. So. I would have given him some minutes, especially when you got, and I like the guy, Big Vic Oladipo, absolutely clanking him against the backboard. I'm telling you, some of these misses were <laughs> like, you know, you'd be watching your head a little bit because they're coming straight down at you. Yeah, um, maybe that's where you were talking before about sacrificing some defense for a little more offense. Because I think yeah. Oladipo, one thing Oladipo has shown in this playoffs is that he can still play defense to a pretty mm-hmm. high level, even after all the injuries that he's had. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's from the Heat side. I think the Celtics mm. do deserve a bit of credit for eventually putting them away. I think mm-hmm. it would have been a big bottle job, but they have... Oh, absolutely enormous. Yeah. How many conference finals would, would they have been to in the last couple? I mean, they, they well, have I been think, two against Cavs. Uh, Jason Tatum himself is four and one in conference finals, I think. So that, that well, gives you a decent... You it's, it's either four or one or three or one. I can't remember. Yeah. Has he been to the conference finals every? I don't think he's been to the conference finals every year. Has he? He's been a no, no. Right, so it must be not. three. Yeah, it must he's be three and one. Every year. Yeah, so it must be three and one. He had what, what, when he lost was to LeBron. Yeah, and the Heat last time round in the bubble, that was their last one as well. Mm. But this is the probably the first time you would say he is. He was probably the best player on that team when they played the Heat last time, but now he is, you know, undisputed, certified. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things, you know, we might, I don't, I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, I'm not sure, but the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, I think we decided against it in the end, but I think one of the things that distinguished Jason Tatum for Jalen Brown in that, because Jalen Brown actually played really well this series and was, was more efficient than Tatum was, but Tatum's defense has really been impressive throughout this playoffs. I think that's what sets him over. Jalen Brown as well, and plus the fact that you can see now he is definitely the alpha of the team, Jason mm. Tatum. They've all, him, Smart, and Jalen Brown, I think, have also really developed as playmakers significantly mm. in the season. Especially I, I remember, Marcus Smart. Yeah. I mean, that you, you mentioned Marcus Smart in the last couple of ga- minutes of that game, really making some poor decisions, and that's where yeah. I thought you saw the distinction between him and someone like Kyle Lowry, mm. even though they're at different physical yeah. levels at this moment in time. But I mean, it was in December when I was being like, "Can this can this team coexist?" Because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't make other players better, and they have developed in that component. And mm. I think Marcus Smart has as well. Um, yeah. So he deserves credit for that. And I think if he doesn't play that game seven, it's a lot more difficult because the mm. defense he brings is just so like game changing. Yeah. And I think one of the things we'll talk about when when we're looking at the finals matchup. And we'll talk about X factors. And I think Marcus Smart is probably the biggest one in the series as an X factor because when he 
uh, when he has the playmaking duties and he really not not just embraces it but flourishes in it that's when you see the best version of that Celtics team and then on the other hand uh, and this this tends to happen as for the Celtics as a team not just Marcus Smart and I think it happens with the team that we'll get into later as well they have games where they're very turnover happy and some of the turnovers Marcus Smart does are pretty terrible so if he if he can clean those up and the whole team can keep those turnovers down, then I think they've got a really good chance of winning. I mean, they've got a good chance anyway because they're in the finals, but they've got a really good chance of winning the whole thing. I mean, just just as the the quick thing to round off this uh, series and this matchup, what I wanted to talk about was that, I mean, ultimately in this seven-game series, the, the Celtics went through because Jimmy Butler missed that three, right? To, whether or not it's the right shot to take in transition. Well, I mean, it. the Celtics will get the ball back. Uh, yeah. after. Oh, and then they're all right, and then, uh, right, and then Miami are a defensive stop away. That, that's that's what I'm yeah. putting out. Yeah. If he makes that, they're up in. They're in the advice. You'd mm. rather them had that in that scenario. You'd rather be on yeah. the inside. With what the Heat have done in recent years, and especially since what 2019 when they got Jimmy Butler. Yeah, three years of Jimmy. Ultimately, now they've had very successful seasons, but they always seem to fall just short. Mm-hmm. Is it a case of blowing up sort of the core and then rebuilding around Jimmy Butler here? Or is it small little additions and tweaks to this roster that can help them uh, progress to a conference finals and then another NBA final? I, I, an NBA final sorry. I personally think it's what Louis said earlier and what Embiid said on Twitter, which is I just do think they need that second superstar on their team. So, you know, if, if they're going to be able to get a second superstar, then they probably are going to have to get rid of a few of the players that have been really important over the past couple of years. I just think there's a ceiling to the team at the moment that won't get pushed any higher unless they do get that second superstar. I tend to agree. I don't think Bam Adebayo is quite good enough offensively to be the second option. I don't mm. think Kyle Lowry's that guy anymore, obviously. And although we've seen a couple of teams go pretty far from like accumulation more than having like a designated second mm. guy, um, I do just think you need that when it when you're going far in the playoffs. I don't think you can really rely on one guy to get you through it. Um, the history isn't very good when it comes to that type of thing. Those types mm-hmm. of teams, anyway, in terms of overall success, you usually need at least a second. You know, quite all NBA. I'm going to say caliber player. Bam Adebayo might be all NBA because he plays at centre, but. Mm. He'll have good games and uh, bad games. He's not a consistent offensive fool. So I think it is more of a, a it's a pretty big tweak to bring in someone like Donovan Mitchell, but I don't think it's a blow yeah. up scenario because they've made the finals twice in mm-hmm. well not the made they made the finals three years ago. Didn't do well last year, but they were a shot away from making it this time. I think mm-hmm. you just gotta go with this core because you only get so many chances to win in the NBA and I think they've yeah. got a decent amount a chance of winning it. They wouldn't be my pick, but, you know, they're in there every single year. Yeah. I mean, the only other uh, alternative I would say is if Tyler Hero, because Tyler Hero was talking before about uh, making the leap back into the starting lineup after winning six-man year, saying he feels like he's earned it. And I, th- I think that's the only way I would see maybe not having a second superstar and really reaching the next level would be if he makes that jump next season or, or you know, in the next couple of seasons. But whether... Whether that will happen or not, you know who who knows. But personally, I would uh, I wouldn't be counting. Well, not that I wouldn't be counting on it because I think he he does have the ability to do it. But I would get that second superstar in anyway. Cool. 
Um, before we jump on to our NBA Finals predictions, we're just going to arc us back to the Mavs and the Suns matchup, mm. um, of which was definitely a surprise, I think, with the Mavericks going through in that Game 7 in uh, in Suns Town. Um, sort of, and again, we, I don't want to get reactionary here, and I don't want to go over the top on this, but sort of this Phoenix squad now, have we sort of seen with Chris Paul being the sort of quote-unquote leader alongside Devin Booker, have we seen this sort of peak out and it's now time for a change after this game's ever lost to the Mavs? Um, I think the the one thing that really made this conversation come up isn't just the fact that they lost. It was the nature in which they lost and how pathetic the team was performing. You look at Chris Paul, I think, got 10 points and Devin Booker got 11 points. And I think the thing that stood out for me in, in that series was not that Chris Paul just played absolutely horrifically. It's the aggressiveness and willingness he had in the series to score mainly, but just, just in general. And I think the thing I got out from it was maybe with his age, not that he's not good enough, but his body with the minutes he has to play currently in this Phoenix team, I don't know if it's going to hold up through long stretches in the playoffs. And I think that's what happened in this playoffs and in that mass series. So... In terms of the window, I mean, the window is obviously not going to be that long with, you know, an aging or a player the age of Chris Paul in the team. But I think they're going to have to get someone in that can help manage Chris Paul's minutes. And so he can sit out a bit longer so that he can last a bit longer in the playoffs. Or maybe, you know, you do a, a classic Kawhi Leonard and sit out quite a lot of the regular season, which, you know, they showed that they could perform well without Chris Paul anyway in the regular season. And then maybe he comes back a bit fresher in the playoffs. I'm always a bit concerned about things like that because I think you you have to play together as a team to really get that chemistry and be ready for the playoffs. So I'm not sure how well that would work. So I definitely think they do need to bring someone in who can take those playmaking, you know, point God duties off Chris Paul to give him time to rest and to become, to be fresher throughout these series in the playoffs. Um, I think their window is done, if I'm quite honest. They'll be, I suppose you have to put them in the conversation as title contenders, but the West was mm. so much more open this year than I think it will be next year when you think about two major, major contenders in the Nuggets and the Clippers mm. will come back into things, whereas they just were a non-factor this year. Um, there's a couple more roadblocks in there, basically, and, you know, the Mavs just showed us with their performance against the Warriors, they weren't exactly ready for that type of stage. So, you know, I'm still that that loss was so bad that I'm kind of looking for an explanation on as to how it got to that level. I mean, I know mm. I, I think it's indisputable now that Chris probably does is breaking, not breaking down a little bit, but he's slowing down. Certainly, mm. I thought it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it is just turns out that it's a couple of years after, which is fair enough. He's pretty old. Small point, point guards don't really have a good history in terms of being able to maintain it for that long. So he's done well, really. Um, that being said, I do think he deserves a f fair chunk of criticism, which my man in Minnesota, Pat Bev, is obviously <laughs> giving him yeah, heavy, he's, heavy heaps he's of... He's jumped to the chance <laughs> for it. His biggest hater came out on his worst mm. day. Yeah. You know, fair enough. I think you've got to take the lumps at some stage. So, But, yeah, I, I, it's weird. They, they can try and retool it a little bit, 
I think the other major piece of this is that DeAndre Ayton's obviously up for an extension. Yeah. Um, they didn't pay him last year. I don't think he really done anything this year to really warrant getting a max extension, did he, really? I mean, he was a non-factor in these games in a lot of the playoffs, really. Um, I'm not sure who else is going to pay for him. Uh, um, I will say, so, personally, if I'm the Suns, I would I would actually pay him. So Max? I, I think I would give him the max, yeah. I, th- I think what he offers that Suns team, I think, I think it will be difficult for them to find hmm. the, the replacement that will give them what they need as much as DeAndre Ayton does elsewhere. I have troubles giving centres... Yeah, centers like him a lot of types of money because he doesn't, he's a good defensive player, but he's not like a. I mean, the centers I would give max money to are, you know, your Jokic, your Towns, Mm. Embiid's, the ones who are real, like, offensive metronomes who you can build around a little bit. I think you can find someone who does what he does, not to the level that he may do it. But you can but, find a substitute and yeah. improve elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point. Personally, I would pay him, but yeah, I yeah. understand why not. <laughs> it comes down to, of course, um, Mr. Sava, who has his controversies hmm. off, the, off the court, and hmm. he's also known to be quite cheap. <laughs> so we'll see about that. But I'm not sure what their move is, really. Hmm. And I just think the Western Conference will be better next year. So I do think this. If we're answering this, the question has the sun set on Phoenix, which I believe is a beautiful, uh, beautiful way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I think it might have done, unfortunately. Fair enough. I mean, um, I think they've got one more year with Chris Paul, is what I'd say. Um, I think they'll have to uh, definitely load his games in the regular season. There's no mm-hmm. way he's playing 35 minutes a game in the regular season for 82 games. Um, I think there'll be games where he just won't travel. I think is what they're going to have to do because they need to keep him as fresh as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I'm not a fan of it because I don't like the, and it's what happened with the Clippers, I feel. If you miss so many games in a regular season, you don't build up that fluidity. Yeah, and you exactly. lose the fluidity. Mm-hmm. And for a wing, it's a bit different. For your point guard that runs everything, that's, that's a bigger drawback. So I think you've got one more year, re-sign some guys. I think JaVal McGee should stay on. The DeAndre and things a bit more techie with it, but I think it will be similar to something that I do want to talk about later um, in terms of Zion Williamson, in terms of the contracts that are being offered around with these guys right now. Mm-hmm. I think that the Suns sort of have to keep Aiton. It'd be a bit silly not to. Um, yeah, agreed. So they're, they're sort of over over the gun at that point. They're, they're over the barrel. They've got to go for it now. Um, I think they've got one more year and then it will start to unwind. And if they if they fall short again, in this manner especially, I think then Devin Booker will be sitting there and he'll be asking questions, that, is this where he's going to stay for the rest of his career and, and so on and so forth, that you see so happen with these sort of all-star calibre guys. But um, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk about Mavs mm-hmm. and the Warriors, uh, the other conference finals matchup. Um, again, was a shock because everyone was expecting the Suns, but it was quite nice, I think, cause in terms of seeing Luka Doncic and you, was gonna, you had this sort of Doncic v Curry sort of matchup that was set out. Um, I hoped it would have been a bit more sort of competitive as a series, um, but this is what you get in terms of with this prime time sort of Warriors team that we're sort of we're seeing back now. Um, they've sort of dealt with them relatively without ease. Um, I mean, Luca's going to get you one. I think is probably the best saying that you can put in this entire series. Mm. Um, was you surprised that it ended four one? Would you have expected them to have nicked another game or pushed it to a seven or? Did this pretty much go as, as you thought it would have? Um, I mean, I probably would have said 
4-1 or 4-2, to be honest, in the, in this matchup. Purely because, you know, the, the Mavs are quite a young team. Lucas, obviously, he's been an unbelievable playoff performer so far in his career. But I think the Warriors was probably a stretch too far. You know, he, he had some great performances. In fact, one of the games they were up massively and just capitulated completely. Capitulated. And I think that's where you see the Warriors experience, you know, calmness. They've been, a lot of them have been here before. They could, they know how to grind out these wins in the playoffs. And maybe you saw a bit of an experience from, from Dallas. But the, the one thing I found quite strange about this series was early on in the first game, they were switching Looney onto, or, or they were getting the switch of Looney onto Luca a lot. And they were trying to attack him and it just, it just wasn't working. Kevon Looney played brilliant in this in this series. He averaged a double double, and he had a I think it was like twenty one. Was it a twenty one and ten, and then an eighteen rebound game? I think it was something along those lines. Uh, and they saw that it wasn't working. And then the game they won, they went away from that strategy. But then later in the series, they went back to it. And I just thought, well, you know, you saw it wasn't working before. Why, why have you gone back to it now? And I think one thing the Warriors did really well is. Andrew Wiggins was a massive part of the, of this series. He guarded Luca, you know, from from when he got the ball up into up into the half court. You know, he wasn't waiting; he was pressing on him the whole time. And even though I think Luca ended up shooting like fifty one percent when Wiggins was the primary guard against him, which is obviously good, but it was the wear and tear on his body throughout the series. And I think Luca ended up just tiring out a lot in these games and. He's, he's never going to be the most efficient scorer in the world, Luca. But he he averaged, I think, forty one percent field goal for the series, which is obviously not good. And when he is, you know, the the primary scorer on the team, although he averaged thirty two points a game, and I'm not holding anything against him because he had an amazing playoffs. I just think in the end, it it, it just wasn't enough to get over the hump. Yeah, I think the main thing that I took from this series is one. I mean, the Warriors are just too strong for the Mavs. It was it's it's yeah. a matchup that you can create a story out of this and that, but ultimately the Warriors are too strong for the Mavericks, and the Mavs need to get someone alongside Luca's level. You're not going to get anybody uh, with him in parallel. You're not going to get a superstar mm-hmm. of that. He needs a second tier option because all right, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up to the plate in one game, maybe two in this series, and he had some rough ones in prior playoff in prior playoff games and some of the series building up to it. But Spencer Dinwiddie, as much as I love him, he's not a number two option on a championship winning team. Mm. He's a very good role player and he's a very good yeah. player to have, but he's definitely nowhere near the level of a second tier option. And after losing Paul Zingis, or for whatever, if you want to phrase it, of getting rid of him or whatever, mm-hmm. they needed someone better than Paul Zingis to go alongside alongside Luca. And um, I don't. I don't really doubt. I, I, if I was Luca, I wouldn't be sitting there thinking now, like you've got a time clock and you're running no, out. Definitely no, definitely not. I think the Mavs are fully aware of which what they've got to do. It's just getting it done and the, the complications that you get around trying to attract players that they need of that caliber to help Luca. Mm. You've just got to see if if you can get something along the sort of when LeBron was this age and he was that young. If you can go to those small town markets and then you can attract. Mm those players just from the calibre of Luka Doncic's ability. So we'll wait and see. But I think this is this is all in the building of Luka Doncic of every year. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. He's definitely improving. He's not yeah. he's not been a bum in any playoff series in any mm. of, his, of what he's had. So I think the although it's tough to take on a 4-1 loss, it's definitely a positive for the Mavs of this yeah. season. Yeah, I think we need to, you know, take a step back and realise how young Luca is and the trajectory he he is currently on. You know, there's a reason why he's getting those LeBron comparisons. It's because of how well he has been performing. 
especially in these playoffs. But I would say as well, Spencer Dinwiddie did overall have a have a pretty good series against the Warriors, as yeah. did Jalen Brunson. But obviously that was enough. But one of the big issues for the Mavericks is going to be in this offseason is whether they want to pay Jalen Brunson or not. Mm. Because if they have, as you said, the idea of getting that real second option to go with Luca, almost like what we were talking about with Miami Heat about getting a superstar ex-player. As you say, obviously maybe you're not going to get someone that's on Luca's level because Luca is, you know, some people would argue even a top five player in the league at the moment. Top ten at the very least. Yeah. Um I mean all for all intents and purposes, I did look this up before we recorded and it does seem that they will will be paying Jane Brunson. Um mm. And he, I think that's the right thing to do, though. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I do. Yeah, he, I he definitely earned it. It's just how it alters what you're going to do with the team. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on it a little bit because I'm like, this guy can play on ball, he can play off ball, um, mm. you know, which suits Luca down to a T. But does he need to be a bit more of a dominant personality? Because, like I said earlier about Jimmy Butler, I don't think you can reach the promised land of an NBA title if you're usage is that far concentrated on one player mm. it doesn't matter how good he is i think he just needs to share the ball a bit more and whether that comes from him giving that up or jalen brunson you know demanding it a little bit more mm. um i think that's one of the reasons they traded out paul Zingas because he was demanding it a little bit more but he just wasn't he wasn't that guy um yeah i think jalen brunson is on a trajectory where he can get better and better and he was really good in stretches of this playoffs not as good in some of, in some other aspects, so mm. that's where my apprehension comes. But I would like to retain him as an asset. I don't think he's ever going to be one you really have a struggle trading off if you mm. want to find someone a little bit better to put next to Luka Doncic. So that's the way I would go for that. And I yeah. think really where the Mavs lost this series, there's a massive talent deficit. I think personally, um, mm. more more so than I think even the experience really. And it came from really Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, who were, you know, big parts of why they beat the Suns mm. um, in the previous series. They just wasn't hitting shots. Same with Maxi Cleaver well, as well. You know, the one thing I um, would say about Finney-Smith uh, uh, and Reggie Bullock is now, as he's now, <laughs> you know, we've got to change and make sure we pronounce his name right, which is, to be honest, quite difficult in a British accent. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, one thing I would say is they both, I think both of them shot from three forty percent for the series. So, you know, they, they, they were hitting sometimes, but I think it was just when they were hot, they were very hot. And when they were cold, they were yeah. ice cold. So it yeah. may have averaged out overall, but when you look at the moments in which, in which it happened, there's where, where, you know, you, you maybe need a bit more consistency. Maxi Kleber definitely had an underwhelming series. But one thing I would say, you know, looking on what to do with this Mavs team, I think they do need a bit more defence and length as well. I think that showed in the series against the Warriors. They were getting, I think they got out-rebounded in almost every game as well. Uh, yeah. And I think they somewhere they need to look to improve. But the Rudy Gobert rumours have been going about. I know George won't be happy with that one. If they, if, <laughs> if, honest God, if they put Rudy Gobert on a team with Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic, anyway, well, uh, I don't want to get bogged down on Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. yet again. Um, we'll move on. We'll start talking about our NBA final predictions. Um, so we have it. We have it set. It is mm-hmm. the Celtics and the Warriors. Um, Lord of the Rings, as Louis dubbed it in our little group chat that we have. Um, how do you see this? I mean, I'll, I'll just come straight out of the gate. 
personally, I don't know if I'm being too biased on this here. I- I'm saying Warriors in five. I definitely don't think it'll be Warriors in five. That's I, what I, I, think. I think. I actually think the Celtics match up pretty well against the Warriors, or as, as well as you I do. Can, I do. I do. The, the Warriors just play a brand of basketball that is very hard to stop, and they've got the right personnel for it. And I would say as well, if you look, I know the regular season and the playoffs are completely different, but in recent history, the Celtics have actually got a pretty good record against the Warriors. Having having said all that, for me, the the main the thing that's making me choose the Warriors is the just the level of experience and the fact that they've been there before. They they've had to they've had to do it on multiple occasions. You know, they've won, they've lost. They're, you know. Clay, Steph, Draymond. When you look at the amount of playoff games they've played compared to Jason Tatum, who's very young, although he has played a lot of playoff games for how young he is, it, it just makes me side with the experience. Although one thing I will say, I, I think one of the, and I alluded to it earlier, one of the big factors in this series is going to be which one of these teams can keep their turnovers down because both of these teams can be very turnover happy at times. And, and it's a, to the real, de- I mean, ad turnovers are, the real detriment of both of these teams. Uh, I would not go in five. I think I think that's too much. I, I'm actually going to go the Warriors in six. I think the the reason I said five is because whenever I sort of see these finals and and I watch the Warriors play, especially, and I just have again, it's just it's a feeling, right? I just think that they're going to get sort of the momentum based, and then I think once the Warriors get going, I think they'll they'll the Celtics are going to get one. Tatum will get them a game. I think the Warriors are just going to be relentless for them. The the the, the <laughs> bit of the start of the, the thing I was seeing mainly was that the Celtics have come up against all these different types of offense, and they've got the best defense mm. in the league. But the Warriors have got the best offense in playoffs at the moment. It's just what it is, and the way of which the Warriors can play is just multifactorial across across the court. It's nothing that you'll see across from other teams they've played. So I just feel that that coupled with the momentum, coupled with the players that they've got that have been in these situations before. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going Warriors in in five. Louis, you don't look, you don't like to impress that prediction, and you're about to go no. Celtics in Celtics in five from fry on its head. Uh, I was just thinking. Well, I mean, I, I, that was my thinking phase, but I am I do think the Celtics will win this series. Actually, um, mm. yeah, I'm gonna buck the trend slightly. Um, my justification. So I completely agree with the sort of experience levels i do think that does play a factor it's more of a soft factor so i can't really analyze it as much but mm. it's a thing it definitely will be a thing um steph draymond and clay they obviously know how to get things done mm-hmm. and the momentum of the warriors is definitely a thing i mean you've seen it a couple times where they've just built and built and built and i think on the other hand you've seen times where the celtics have kind of done the opposite where they've allowed the momentum to build against them a little bit and they've not got Mm. their offense going. I still think even though their playmaking has improved, there does does come a couple times where they stutter offensively. That's not really going to happen with the Warriors. They might have times where they're shooting a bit off, but they know exactly what they're doing at every single moment. Um, I think the Warriors have had a slightly easy ride in the Western Conference, if I'm quite honest. I think the Nuggets were the poorest team in the playoffs. Um, I think they were getting absolutely done by Ja Morant, and I think that series is going seven unless he gets in, if he doesn't get injured. Um, And I think the Mavs just went cold at the completely wrong time. 
you say about the Celtics not having to face anyone like the Warriors, I don't think the Warriors have faced anyone near the calibre of the Celtics yeah, in their yeah, entire run. And so from that aspect, that those are, again, slightly more soft factors. From mm-hmm. an on-the-court type of thing, the Celtics do match up quite well with the Warriors. Um, I think people have said that before. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the regular season type of things, and I'm not sure if it translates too well to the playoffs, so I won't go too much into it. But Marcus Smart does play well against Steph Curry. He does know how to bother him quite a lot. And once you take out Steph Curry a little bit, and you know you can, there's going to be games you can't. You, mm-hmm. that, that's just how it is. But I think Steph's finals record slightly shaky. Oh, we would yeah, say. That's, that's, that's where you're going. <laughs> I think that's it's slightly oversold, to be honest. Maybe. Oh, I mean, Draymond had a big thing about it, didn't he, the other day? Yeah, was that was, that double was quite, the, quite the argument with KT. Yeah, I mean, this time they don't have KD to turn to when they're double mm. Um So if what, you know, the Celtics have stopped Kevin Durant, they've had games where they stopped Yanis. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, for some reason, was, was the one that got on quite a few times. Um, but even then, he had games that he didn't go mm. so well. And I'm just not sure I really trust the other Warriors to get them over a lot over the line offensively. And you talked about Marcus Smart being a big X factor. I think the real series swinger for me is big Andrew Wiggins. I yeah, think... I think they're the two you look to. Yeah, yeah. Clay will have a great game. He'll have a you know, a pretty poor game. I think that's how we're going to, I'm just going to perceive him this season mm-hmm. anyway. Um, Draymond is just a non-factor offensively, really. So well, I, I wouldn't say non-factor. I think well, he doesn't shoot. He provides spacing. He is. Well, no, no, he doesn't provide spacing. He is the Playmaker. primary decision maker for that Golden State offense. And I actually think he's a, even though he's not going to be doing it by scoring, he is a massive part of that offense. But when the Celtics are putting Rob Williams on the guy that can't mm. shoot, they're yeah. probably going to be putting him on Draymond Green. Mm. If maybe Kevin, you know, if Looney's not playing, that that might be a bit of a that would be Hawford. Whatever. Mm. Um, I just think the Celtics match up quite well to stop yeah, they do. Curry defensively. Mm. I think that can get them a couple games, and I think they have a good enough offense to get them over the line. Mm. Um, I, I, I've kind of underestimated the Warriors the whole series, so I'm fu- I'm fully expecting to be mugged off here again mm. as well. But so what did you go? I just both in what? Um, I don't trust them fully. Seven, I would say six. Seven, I think yeah. they've got um, the quality for six, but the experience factor and I'm so actually. Uh, I've decided. I've decided I'm going to change mine. Actually, I'm sticking with the oh. Warriors, but I'm going to go Warriors in seven instead of six. Actually, the, the interesting the thing... fence sitting of you two. Seven well, games. no, Warriors, Warriors are going to win. Warriors are going to win. I just think no, no, seven games though. That's the well, fence one. Be- that's because it's not fence sitting. It's just I think they are two very good teams that, and it's going to be a real battle in the series. The, the one thing I will say is I think what, one of the things I'd be worried about if I was rooting for the Warriors, if I was the Warriors, is the length of the Boston Celtics. Like You look at who's going to be matching up onto mm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Obviously, Wiggins is probably going to be the primary defender on Tatum. And then you look at Brown, it's probably Clay, and you think, do you trust Clay as much now after the injury? And also, you know, when they're sitting out, 
you know, you're going to match it all the time or who else is going to be able to take them on. And that's where I think, I think Steve Kerr is going to have to play Jonathan Kaminga a lot more in this series. Well, I've said, I thought that a couple of times. Mm. Their perimeter defense is not good. I'm saying Mm. that now. It's not good. Um, The Mavs mm. didn't really exploit it that much because they couldn't make their shots. But John Morant got by them at any given time. Um, Whether Jason Tatum can do that. Jaden Brown, you you mentioned about Marcus Smart's messy turnovers. I saw a um, tweet the other day. It says, Jalen Brown's the best player in the NBA that can't dribble. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely horrific. I think he also sometimes can try to force things a lot as well. Like just Mm. sometimes I see him just charge into traffic uh, and, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but it's it's inconsistent. And uh, I was going to say as well on the subject of worries with the Warriors, the other thing I'd... It's not a concern, but it's it's something they're going to have to figure out is if you look back at all the teams they've played already, I do think the Grizzlies were a very good team, but defensively, the Celtics are a completely different animal. In all the series the Warriors have played, they've been able to exploit certain weaknesses of other teams on defense. For example, you know, the you know, Jokic isn't the greatest mover in the world. And I think they were able to take advantage of that. I think there were people they could pick on in the Grizzlies series, Jar Morant being one of them. And obviously you saw them picking on Luca and how quickly they got out in transition in that Mavs series. The Celtics don't really have any weaknesses or we're yet to see them on defense. Uh, and that's something that the Warriors are going to have to figure out. Fair enough. Right. So I've gone Warriors in five. Howard, your Warriors in seven, and yep. Louis, your Celtics in seven. I know I'm thoroughly going against sort of that, and I think the records will will portray that the Celtics very much match yeah. up well against them. But you know, I've just got a feeling. Yeah, so and I saw uh, there was a ESPN predicting tool. I don't, I don't know what goes into what exactly goes into the algorithm for it, but it had the Celtics massively favoured to win the series, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely against what a lot of the public uh, and analysts actually believe is going to happen. Well, I mean, just... the, the the bookies have got the Warriors at eight to thirteen, and the Celtics are five to four. So the bookies are very yeah. Warriors. So. Well, it's just like a thing. Like it's the Golden State Warriors. That's what people yeah. know. They they win when they yeah. Get... And, and uh-huh. I think as well, if if I had to guess, that that algorithm probably takes into account or puts a decent emphasis on the regular season because I don't see what else it could. Yeah, really it must. They must have. Uh, and in the recent history, the Celtics have had a very good record against the Warriors. So there's that. What One more thing I would add that's been quite strange is, you know, when you're looking at home versus away and the, and the advantages there, the Celtics' advantages at home versus away has been quite strange in, in, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You know, they haven't had a really strong home record versus away record, whereas... And it's weird because you look at the Boston Garden, you think that's go- that's an <laughs> ominous place to go. As as is uh, the, the Warriors as well, you know that their their fans generally do get up for it quite a bit. So that isn't going to be as much of a factor in this series as it has been in previous ones. I think. Fair enough. Um, moving on from that, or just a, a few other bits to sort of just to tidy up for uh, what's probably going to be. Well, we might we might have a sneaky pod um, around the, the mm. time of Game Seven or just after it, just to. To, you know, debrief on the full NBA season, mm-hmm. but just to tidy a few bits up. Um, this was one that I thought of mid podcast, so it's going to come at you two oh, as a great. surprise here. Mm-hmm. So, um, it isn't too light, it's not too too big. You, I'm not going to catch you out that much, but I want to talk about Zion Williamson and the uh, mm-hmm. contract news that was coming about yeah. because, um, 
recently Zion was asked if he would sign a contract extension at the New Orleans Pelicans. And he said uh, in the offseason, and quote, of course, I couldn't sign it fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything that came out from that, there was a bit of time. And then some news broke. Well, apparent news from from Brian Windhorst. Uh, and normally he's very reliable. So I, I'll take it as not verbatim, yeah. but, but, you know, everything you take with a pinch, pinch of salt anyway. But um, he said, from what I've been told, the Pelicans at this point are not willing to offer a full five-year guaranteed deal. And a lot of it is flowing down from the ownership. Gal Benson, the owner, is also the owner of the New Orleans Saints and have been told that they're taking a football-style, Saints-style mentality with this contract negotiation. They will offer him a huge contract, but will not guarantee all of it. So Zion Williamson's max contract projections mm-hmm. uh, between $180 million and $195 million, depending on how many NBA All-Star teams he makes. They're probably going to go in, apparently, around guaranteeing $100 million of that, which is still, obviously, a lot of money. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he was to sort of max that contract out and make every All-Star team you're looking at sort of near on half being guaranteed. Mm-hmm. If you're Zion Williamson, are you sitting there thinking, eh, you know, fair enough, I've not played much NBA for, for, for the Pelicans in a while anyway. I've not played not played many games. Mm. Or are you sitting there and you're like, well, that's a slap in the face. I've been ready to play, you bench me. Because they, they were the reports as well that were coming out that he was fine. You know, mm-hmm. when the Pelicans said he's being benched, he's being sat down, and then a day later he's putting on his Instagram that he's like hopping a 360 mm-hmm. dunking that he was doing. If you're if you're Zion, are you now like, well, what the hell's going on here? I want to play. Don't tell me that my money's not guaranteed. Or do you sit back and you look at it like Joel Embiid did with the Sixers when this happened, and you go, yeah, fair enough, I'll sign the contract anyway, and then work yourself into fitness and pro- um, I mean, I know there's been some stuff over, over the past few months about Zion Williamson's health and his shape uh, uh, and some other concerns around that, but. If I am the Pelicans, I am 100% paying Zion Williamson the max that he can actually get. And if I'm Zion Williamson and I'm not getting the max from them, then I am very happy to look elsewhere. He's he's getting the max, though. He's been offered it. It's just not guaranteed. uh, Well, whatever that they can offer me, the maximum amount, I'm not not just the money, but guaranteed as well, I'm asking for that because someone else will give him that. And I know he can't get as much in other places as he can if he stays in New Orleans, but whatever gets me the most money, I'm going to because he, I think people underestimate that what he has done, and I know he hasn't done much in the NBA so far, but when he was healthy and playing, he was averaging about 27 points on absolutely ridiculous efficiency. And I think it would be stupid for the Pels to to even give him a chance of going elsewhere. And I will say, Willie Green is an, I think he'll be an absolutely fan. Well, he is a fantastic coach and he will be one of the best coaches in the NBA. He is, and he will be for the, for the future to come. So I will say if I'm Zion, I do, I would quite like to stay in New Orleans with the Southers there. Obviously, you know, the Pelicans aren't that dramatic a team and, you know, there's other markets that are bigger, but I do think it's a good situation I think they've got a fantastic coach. They've got good players. They have some good players. I know people have concerns about Ingram and Williamson and how they'll fit. But I, I just think if if you're the Pelicans, you just have to give him everything that he, you can give him. Lou, what do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with Lewis. I think I can understand the appro- If I'm looking at it from the Pelicans organization perspective, mm-hmm. I can understand the reservations you would have. Yeah, I agree. Guaranteed money over a, a lot of time because 
yeah, his his injury record is it doesn't look great for the future outcomes. But mm. Embiid's a very good example that you mentioned there. You know, it wasn't looking very good for him at some stage. And he manages to get himself together now more than anything. I know he had some injuries in this playoff, so probably not the best, mm. most recent example. But he can put together a, a whole season now where people will be like, oh, here's the MVP. Um, he's played yeah. enough games to be considered for an MVP, basically, which you just wouldn't have expected a couple of years ago. Um so, you know, I would be quite insulted if I was him because yeah, so would what he done in the in the second season was pretty unprecedented for a player in his second mm-hmm. season. So you like you can be like, Oh, I can use it for motivation to get, you know, get into shape, which he does need to do. I don't want to pile on that front because yeah. I'm sure he knows that at this stage. Um Yeah, because I mean there were reports of him coming in at like Three hundred yeah. and thirty pounds. Yeah, which yeah, his size is. Just I mean, too... I understand he's in New Orleans, and you know, like the the jumbo, <laughs> the, the gumbo shrimp was down <laughs> the gumbo, there. It's not going to be healthy. The, gum, the gumbo in New Orleans is unrivaled, and oh, know, in, that, in that part, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Fully understand it, but two hundred million. There was a thing that I did see that did make me laugh as well. I did put it down here. It was um, a, a classic in this response of Charles Barkley. Um, if they were getting ready to give me $200 million, I would be the skinniest powerful yeah, in the history of civilization. Mm. Um, which, you know, <laughs> after everything with Chuck right now, fair enough. But, you know, it, it's one of these things. It's I think I, I think there's there's twos and throws on both sides. I think Zion definitely yeah. could have done more to improve his physical shape and look after himself a bit better with you know, the hype that he came in on the league on and also just in general, the money he's getting paid as a professional athlete. But I do think that there is, it, it's not all Zion's fault. I think there's definitely, he, I think, I feel like he's been ready to play for a little while now and the Pelicans have benched him out of saying, well, there's no point in him playing in these games and they're rubber banding mm. it and all of that sort of stuff. So if he's not starting at the start of next season, Alarm bells are going to go very quick in the NBA in terms of what on earth is happening. I just think, I just think, regardless of what what has happened so far, you just you just got to give them the guarantees. The the upside with Zion is just immense. Like he's absolutely immense. You have to give him the money. If he's if he's not starting at the end of the season, he's trading in that that gumbo for a for a slice of pizza down in NYC. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that what you're saying? It's going to swap out the NYC shrimp. It's going to swap uh, out the gumbo shrimp for a New York for a dollar slice. That's all, it's the rumor, isn't it? But yeah, I agree. I think he's a generational talent. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he can stay on the court long enough to really impact going through in like a where it matters the postseason basically because he's yeah. not really had that opportunity yet i don't know but i yeah. would like to have the opportunity to see so i would like him to sign a contract and I, I, if you know. I, I tell you, I, i'd like him to stay in new orleans though because if we ever get that trip done oh, you know, that gumbo. good, re- yeah. good reason gumbo shrimp and zion yeah. williamson that's what you want and as i said as well you know the pelicans have got a great setup at the moment with some of yeah. the players they have and the coach they have i you know, you said certain reservations about ownership decisions, but you know, with what's there at the moment, I just think it's it should just be green light from both sides. I'm just thinking about the gumbo shrimp and Zion now. Uh, and it's just, it's going to be, I don't want to see the memes that came about as well. You know, when he came back in and he was like stomping in after the new season. Mm. I want none of that. I want Zion positivity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, moving on to, uh, the second, the penultimate part we'll have of this podcast. We'll do it just briefly as a, I am aware of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Levine, 
Levine leaving. Where next? Uh, this isn't breaking news, unfortunately. We are not breaking this. I wish we were. But um, just, you know, some discussions that were going about. There were some some rumours floating about the gaff that Zach Levine, you know, might be trotting off from the balls, leaving them. Um, is there any sort of... Would you rather him stay at the balls? Or do you think, you know, maybe he's that second heat star that they need in, in down in Miami? Um, is that sort of... I just think it's, it's mainly you look at what the options for him would be if he were to leave. Because this is all just rumours. You know, he's not actually confirmed going. But I think the teams that have really been thrown about, one has been Dallas. You know, we were talking about Dallas earlier. Yeah, fair. And I think that would have to include a couple of picks and Spencer Dinwiddie going the other way. I don't really see that happening, to be honest. You And then you look at, I think another one was the Heat, as you say. But once again... It is difficult to with what would have to go through to uh, to see to see that one happen as much. I think the, the Heat would have to give up a couple of. I mean, they'd have to give up a couple of key players like Tyler Hero, but you know, if it's Zach Levine, then maybe you pull the trigger on it with what we were talking about earlier. And then the final one, which I think is probably the one that makes the most sense, even though, as I said before, this is all just rumors, is probably the Hawks. Uh, I think that's the one that theoretically could could go through that would include you know uh, some combination of collins bogdanovich and herter with like a, a pick or picks but my issue with that one would be you know you look at the hawks you look at the balls if you're zach levine do you really think that that's going to be a massive upgrade do you know do you think you're going to get a lot further with the Hawks and with the Bulls. I mean, maybe it's more than just the, a basketball decision. Maybe it's something else. But personally, oh. I, with, with oh, what's theoretically possible, I would I would be surprised if he if he left. To be honest, he's 27. Okay, so I mean, I was looking at it on the on the premise of that. You know, it, it it's a telltale sign now. How long has he got left in his contract? Is he out of? Is he next year? It'd be, a, it'd be a sign and trade if they were to do oh, it. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, I mean, when you look at it in that regard, do I think, I mean, Zach Levine is a very, very talented basketball player. That's not mm-hmm. an offensive, very gifted offensively. Is he good enough to be the second option on an NBA winning team? I doubt it. I think you'd all agree. I don't think he's good enough uh, to be the second it, option it, on a it, team. It would depend on the team, to be honest. I think. Yeah, you know, could there be a chance with the Heat if they manage to get it done? It would depend on what they gave up, obviously, but potentially. Uh, okay, yeah. So on the premise, but then you're looking at it in that regard. Then with the Heat, the Heat, I think, are a, uh, an asterisk team on the premise of that Jimmy Butler's always question of if he's good enough to be the first guy on a and then in the playoffs, and then looks like he's the first. He can definitely yeah. be the first guy. Yeah. So whenever if you then throw Zach Levine in, and then you have some very nice pieces like Bam, and if you kept Carl Lowry and stuff, then mm-hmm. all right, yeah. Then there's the exception to it, but I mean general comment of superstar T, superstar one superstar in the team, and then Zach Levine is your second best player. I'm not sure that that wins an NBA title. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it in that regard, then I don't think the Atlanta Hawks would are necessarily a more appealing situation for Zach Levine than what he's currently got at the Bulls. Yeah, um, that's that's what I that's, was. That's not for him. I mean, the one I'll float if he was going to move. You know, why not trade in the Chicago lifestyle for a bit of the LA team up with yeah, team up with LBJ? I've, I've seen that one, but that one's not happening because they're not going to be able to get rid of Westbrook. It's, it's just is what it is. They're going to have him for another year. No, I think the Westbrook thing right now is is a lot of hardball. I think that I mean they can definitely package it and they'll have to pay to get rid of him. 
And this is there when the Lakers then need to decide what they're realistically going to be doing with LeBron James in the next year to two that they've got him. Because you'll have that, you'll have AD. If you get rid of Westbrook and bring in someone that, one, they feel will work with both of them and if you've got a healthy AD, there's no reason why LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Zach Levine trio wouldn't be terrible yeah, the, next the year. The one thing I would say to that would be, because I think I saw a proposed thing. As I said before, I just don't think they're going to be getting rid of Westbrook. I don't think they'll be able to. for Well, they won't want to for what they're going to get back. But I, I think if, if there was to be LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Zach Levine, I think the next like 10 players on the team are going to be minimum contract players. And I don't, even with three stars, you know, you probably would build them as one of the favourites to win the title, but their supporting cast is going to be pretty bad. And that's where, when you talk about the asterisk around Miami Heat, I think if that went through and they give up Tyler Hero, Cole Lowry and some, and a pick, and some picks, I actually think they'd be able to keep a decent, quite a decent amount of players on their team. So that one is separate from the others and i think if you know if you were to tell zach levine these were the options is the one that would probably be favored by him because i don't think i mean obviously la is la but i don't think that would be an option because it's not going to be able to go to westbrook without looking at the contract situations i know they've got a couple big ones that they could maybe shift in the other direction i quite like denver potentially i don't know how that one would work to be honest yeah, well, they'd have to get rid I mean, of one of Jamal Murray or MPJ. So yeah, yeah. they're so, pretty locked up. Yeah. They're pretty locked up, and it, I mean, I don't think anyone. I, just I was just thinking about this the other day because, um, obviously, Tim Conley, who is the GM at the Denver Nuggets, has gone to the Timberwolves for a pretty substantial wage. I think he's got equity in the franchise as well now. Um, quite a healthy package for him. His yeah, last act, um, he's given. Jokic Supermax, obviously, that's what you're going to do. But um, I think he did give Michael Porter Jr. a rather hefty contract. Looking it is, back it is at a it. hefty contract, <laughs> but it is, you know, prospecting what he can do for them in the future. I mean, when you look at the Nuggets team, I think if I were, if you were to ask me right now, are the Nuggets, while Jokic is there, are they going to win a championship? I, my answer now would be yes. I do think they're going to end up winning a championship. It, for what they need to do with that team, I wouldn't be doing anything with Zach Levine personally. I'd be looking to shore up their defense and get some length. Yeah, that is true. That this just not good. It's just not yeah. good for them at the moment. They, so they they really need to improve there. They should have traded for Drew Holiday when he was available, but that's a different scenario, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, this is kind of going back to the last section, but. If someone's getting a non-guarantee contract and you're looking over at Michael Porter Jr. with a fully guaranteed yeah, it's, it's a lot. 100 million in your back pocket, you know, the guy's played about 24 games. And I know he's good, <laughs> but he, he's really good. I, I, I like his game. Um, did get torched defensively in the playoffs, but that's a, Yeah, defense that's is a definitely a strong point. But it's, it's or, what, or it's, <laughs> staying it's healthy. He, yeah, it's what he can do at his size and at his yeah. age. That is what you're paying the money for. Unbelievably skilled, but I don't think people were clamoring to give Michael Porter Jr. a big contract. It wouldn't be the same as Zion, put it that way. Yeah, yeah it, it would not. There's no, yeah, no, there's yeah. no way. Um, no. Every team in the league would be given if they, it, well, every team that could would be offering Zion a contract. Like yeah, he could get from the Pels. Yeah, 
All right. And I think we'll, uh, we'll round this up with uh, some other NBA news. Not relevant to this season, but, you know. In uh, 2023, NBA Paris confirmed. You know, I think this is our duty as European yeah. sort of NBA fans to discuss this. Sadly, it's not coming back to London yet. We've not got the Luke Cornett show that we had at the O2 when we went that time a couple of years. When was that? Was that 2018? It must have been. That was before COVID. That was 2017-18. was the Knicks v. Wizards. Bradley Bill was there. I remember that. We got a buzzer beater. That's what I can... Yeah, I can it was I can, lovely. It was great. Great time. Um, but we haven't had any NBA games since back. I know there's one in... Uh, they announced it before because um, it's the Bucks and the Hawks. I forget now. Where is it? In Dubai, perhaps, or UAE, or Bucks. Uh, not sure. They had, what, they um, had the Dallas in Mexico a couple of years ago as well. Yeah, they did have that. Uh, Hawks. Oh, Abu Dhabi. Um, Hawks play on October Thursday, October the sixth, and October the eighth. But mm-hmm. that's relevant to us because we're not there. We're in Europe. We are an hour or two away from Paris, um, and we've got the Bulls and the Pistons. So you know, Zach Levine, stay at the Bulls, please now, because you know we want all the time yeah. that we get there. Um, it would be a bit funny. And this seems to be the way with Europe. I, that we did get like a buck. We did get like a Sixers Celtics game, I think, year like 2012 or 13. I think we got there was definitely a Celt- Celtics Sixers or something along those lines. But ever since then, it's not been the sort of creme de la creme that have come over here, which we can't even argue because it's, you know, it's an American sport, but it's very nice that they've come over and they're playing a game. But, you know, if the Bulls end up do trading away sort of Levine and Lonzo Ball's injured and then DeRozan sits it out, you know, it's not going to be great viewing for Mbappe and Neymar that are sitting on the sides. But, um, yeah, the, the game's in the 19th of January, uh, 2023. We've all got our hats in the ring. We will not get tickets mm. because it's like yeah. an 18,000-seater stadium and 9,000 of which will be allocated to, like, everyone in Paris that's about a millionaire. So, you know. I think there's a lot of people that we, we we got tweeted it. We saw it. We saw everyone was gassed for it. So we threw our hats in the ring. We'll try and get some tickets for it. But um, yeah, I mean, NBA, I know you're listening. Bring it back to London. That's what we need. We need. Well, we just, need just in general, you know, yeah. more games in Europe will take. We'll take We'll take them in, in more places anywhere in Europe. We'll take them. Or, or, or even just like slightly more tailored to Europe uh, games in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a one. bit. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch with the West Coast. It's the the techie thing with that would be if it's um, I don't mind it as much in the regular. Well, I think the regular season is a bit more easier actually because on a, on a Sunday on NBA Sundays we'll always have a six pm and an eight pm game, which is fine. The thing that's slightly annoying is obviously in the playoffs, especially this one. There is no game that's earlier than one am for us, so we're all sharing the pain in Europe in terms of this in this factor here. But you know, it, it's what it is. If it happened in the Premier League with football yeah. and they moved it to America, people would, would be, be up in arms. Yeah. So it's it's it, you've got to take it. But it's uh, mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 just about wraps it up. Uh, we've mm-hmm. done our predictions. We've we've hashed everything up that's happened prior. We've spoken about the gumbo shrimp. So. Um, I think on that note for, for Podcast 105, we will leave it there. Uh, we'll probably be back after the NBA Finals to discuss everything that happened, how badly my prediction probably was or how badly those two predictions or their two predictions were. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Make sure you're following us on all of our socials at Swingman Pod. Um, check out our website, www.swingmanpod.com swingmanpod.com um and if you're listening to this on spotify or apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave a review it really does help us out and if you're watching this on youtube 
again, please do subscribe and leave a comment, leave a like, really would help us out. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Enjoy the finals and we'll chat soon. Peace. <laughs>